This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, there are only two kinds of people on today's podcast. There are those who are going to Vegas for the Pro Bowl, and there are those who are not. Somebody has their arms over their head in exaltation right now, and it's certainly not Pauly Pro Bowl. Don't call me that. No, I ain't going to Vegas around here. Darren Urban, Danny Sarek, do tell. I'm, I'll, I'll break the news. Really? I'm going to Vegas. Yes, that was me are. waving my arms <laughs> in the air like I just don't care. I'm very excited. <laughs> Should be fun. It's going to be a long week, though. Was there an application process that I missed here? <laughs> I mean, I understand, you know, the Denver Broncos are up now for sale, and I, I certainly will not be bidding Calvisi Consulting on the Denver Broncos. But, you know, the Pro Bowl, I thought maybe, just maybe, it might be worth submitting an application. Darren, usually in charge of most everything around here when it comes to coverage. What was up with that? Uh, your name never came up once, Paul, I'll be <laughs> honest. Uh, wow, that hurts. That hurts. Well, that's what I get. I mean, ultimately <laughs> – Danny, uh, Danny raced to the podium and put in her card, and oh, uh, so she got the draft pick. Was it was it a matter? Of, was it a trust issue in Vegas for yours truly? Was that did that have something to do with it? Because uh, the group that See, I, I could I could talk about the group that is going and, right. the, and the consideration of the trust issues there. Yes, exactly. I, I would never do right. that. Not with me. Right. I don't want to. other people going. I don't. I don't want to give a you profile on that. I, you know, I, I don't. I don't know you that well. Uh, you know, the, the party potential, the group going. I'm not sure you should be all that confident, Darren. It's but that's on you. That's going to blow back on you only, Darren. If this thing blows up, okay. Just to let you know. Look forward to all that content on azcardinals.com and all of our social channels. There you go. That's. Meanwhile, here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Um. I don't know. Maybe uh, should we bill ourselves this time of year, the off season? Tis the season, the off season. Maybe we should start by saying welcome to the Arizona Cardinals help desk. You know, with our customer service representatives, Darren and Danny. I, I don't. I mean, that I mean, feels I like a title for the podcast. Yeah, Paul. we'll get to that in a minute. But first, uh, the big news on the day we record, and obviously it's going to be big news all week and maybe all off season, the retirement of one Tom Brady. Yes. What do you think of, Darren? When you think of Tom Brady, what do you think of? And do you think of it in a Cardinals context? I, I Honestly, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't think of much with Tom Brady in a Cardinals context because of the simple reason that they never played him. They only He only played against the Cardinals twice. He only had the chance to play against them four times. One time was the season uh, where he blew out his ACL and Matt Castle uh, led them to a, a snowy 47-7 win in New England over the Cardinals. Uh, and then the other time, it would have been his one time playing in State Farm Stadium. He got suspended for Deflategate, and Jimmy Garoppolo led the Patriots to That's a right. That was win. the season that opener. That was season in, opener in 2016. And, and honestly, uh, turnabout is fair play because uh, Chandler Catanzaro missed a field goal at the end of the game, a very makeable field goal that would have won the game for the Cardinals. And the previous time the Patriots had played, the one time the Cardinals did beat Tom Brady, it was Steven Goskowski missing a very makeable field goal in New England at the end of the game that would have beaten the Cardinals and instead the Cardinals won. So that was, know, that was Kevin Cobb beating Tom Brady, right? That was 2012, yes. correct? Yes, that, that was. That was the 4-0 start. That yes. then included a nine-game losing streak that and the was, end of the Ken Wisenhunt era. Season. Yes. Danny was six. And, yes. Uh, what year is this? You're maybe not that far off. 2012. Oh, no. Okay. I was thinking early 2000s. No. It was no. 2012. No, I the was. The first time the Cardinals played Tom Brady was 2004. So you would have been <laughs> six. Eight? Okay, eight. So, and I was at that game in Sun Oval Stadium. 
which uh, the biggest thing I remember about that game was there was no I, – I literally remember going to write that game story was over. It was the second week of the season, and I just felt like it was a blah game. At that point, Tom Brady was good, but it was a very blah game. There was, like, nothing exciting to it. It was very, like – no question the Patriots going to win, but they never really pulled ahead. And I just remember having to write that game story thinking, I got nothing to say. But by the end of that season, that was his third ring in four years, right? 2004, was, yeah. That it was 01, right. 03, 04. And then there was that big drought where they didn't get a yeah. ring for a while. And then obviously he finished with a flurry. And Tom, Dennis Green did not say after the game the Patriots and Tom Brady are who we thought they were. Or so. Jim Omohundro pointing out they retired Pat Tillman's number at that 2004 okay. game. So that was memorable, but we would have written something. And I was working for a newspaper at the time. We would have written something separate on that. So that doesn't help my game story much. And then, of course, Tom Brady played two Super Bowls in State Farm Stadium. Lost to the Giants and then beat the Seahawks at I've, the very end. I've actually seen Tom Brady play live more times in Super Bowls than I did in regular season games because he only played against the Cardinals twice, and I've I've actually attended and covered four of Brady's Super Bowls. It's going to be weird without him. What if, what does a league look like without Tom Brady? Without Ben Roethlisberger, without Drew Brees, without Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, it's, it's a true changing of the guard that mm -hmm. we're in the middle of right now. And who knows how much longer we have with Aaron Rodgers, too. I mean, it's just it's a whole, whole flip. You know, are you worried COVID is going to get him? Just his former OC, Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> oh, might get him okay. in Denver. Maybe that's just, what she's referring sure to, you know. But think of the teams that <laughs> think of the teams that are in dire need. Not just need a quarterback, but yeah. need a quarterback urgently right now because you add Tampa to the list. Yeah. There's New Orleans. You're saying Blaine Gabbert's not the guy? <laughs> there's Denver. I'm not even going to acknowledge that. Uh, there's the Steelers, no Big Ben. Obviously, Carolina is searching. Washington is searching. Who else am I missing? Houston? I mean, you. Houston? Houston, Houston, sure. I mean, Houston's Davis Mills. Are they going to roll with Davis yeah. Mills? I, I don't know. Are the Niners searching? Trey Lance is going to be given a chance, but is he no, really the guy? Yeah, so at this you know. point, you can't say they're searching. They and got th their guy. And you know, the Giants say they're sticking with Daniel Jones, and yeah. Brian Dable is on board. And you know, look what he did with Josh Allen. So absolutely, Browns. You, see, you know, Browns. Yeah, the Browns will probably go. With are are the Colts still set on Wentz? For I bet you for another season. Great. I mean, and then Atlanta and Minnesota, two older quarterbacks in Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. What are you doing there? Huge cap numbers, both those guys. They're not the future. No. They, they might be next season, but think. Well, this is all season to season, Paul. We don't want to get yeah. ahead of ourselves. I, I'm just saying, think of all these teams that now are in need and or in dire need of quarterbacks. Yeah. And at least the Cardinals You're are trying set to find a landing in that spot department. For Jimmy G? Hi. Well, how about Jimmy G to New Orleans? How about Jimmy G to Tampa? How about. Jimmy D G to Denver if they inevitably don't get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, any of these are possibilities yeah. and upgrades. They really are. Is Jimmy G, uh, you know, look, look at his numbers, especially in the fourth quarter of these playoff games historically. Look at Kyle Shanahan's numbers in fourth quarter of playoff losses. Yeah. Not good. I think the last three playoff losses, if I saw the graphic on NFL Network, Kyle Shanahan has been outscored 53 to nothing in the fourth quarter of his last three playoff losses. So there is something definitely awry and a miss there. But, you know, when it comes to Tom Brady, you know what I think of. And thanks for asking, Darren. Appreciate it. I'm what, here for you. Uh, to me, I think of culture. I mean, we can name all the numbers and the stats and the rings and the five Super Bowl MVPs. Oh, you're not talking about going to the opera or anything. No, oh, I, I, and I don't. You know, I don't think of the fine arts. I think of the culture that he brings. Got I, it. That these quarter that the Cardinals had once upon a time in Kurt Warner. It was BYOC. Bring your own culture. He really was the culture at that time, transforming a Cardinals team into not only division winner but making that Super Bowl run, raising expectations and. They had that Carson Palmer to a large degree was that guy. And to me, that's the next step for any young quarterback, Kyler Murray included. He now has to be part of the fabric and culture of this team in the locker room and beyond. It goes beyond just playing quarterback. Yeah, and I feel like that's what we were talking about last week too, about those intangibles. And I feel like too when you start looking at these other quarterbacks – I mean, these are teams obviously we're not in the know the way we are with the Cardinals, but that's what I think of with Joe Burrow. When you're talking about culture, I'm thinking I feel like those guys are rallying behind him 
or a Josh Allen. Yep. Um, but I, I I absolutely agree. I think I think those in the locker room and all like I I would like to see more of that. Bruce Arians, a statement he put out, right, former Cardinals head coach, and he put out the statement on Tom Brady, and it went like this. Tom joined us as the greatest football player of all time, and he quickly showed everyone in our organization what that meant. He set a standard and helped create a culture that took our team to the mountaintop. And he's dead on. Those quarterbacks who are elite, those winning quarterbacks, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, they're the guys who set that bar, that expectation, who create that culture and I and I would agree even in year two Joe Burrow looks to be that guy Joe Montana when I was a little kid Joe Montana took a 49ers team that won two wins in 78 79 they cleaned house he brought in Bill Walsh third round rookie Joe Montana who started one game that year and then by 81 they beat the vaunted Cowboys and won the Super Bowl against the Bengals and the MVP that year Ken Anderson in 81 that was Joe Montana's third year his second year as a starter and it reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow. Had that same Joe Cool, just follow me. Everything's going to be good. It doesn't matter if I get pummeled nine sacks in a game. I'm going to find a way to beat you, and I'm going to be at my best in the fourth quarter in overtime. And those guys, you know it. You know it early. And, and the players know it. And that's what's most important. The locker room knows it. And it really does transform a team. Yeah, the swag that like Joe Burrow has and just carries himself with and the fact that it doesn't matter how many points that team is behind, they never gave up on themselves. They believed in themselves and in their game plan and look how it turned out for them. You know what? I I, I saw this uh, the other day, or it was actually longer than that, but I, I can't get away from this as we're in the middle of the playoffs and we see where the league is gone now. Uh, and this is a, just a quick aside. This really has nothing to do with leadership. But you talk about that that team that uh, beat the Cowboys in, in to go to the Super Bowl on Dwight Clark's catch mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Did you know? Here we go. The, the 49ers won that game. Did you know they had six turnovers in that game? <laughs> I did not. Joe Montana threw three picks. They lost three fumbles, and they wow. still won. Wow. I did, I, dude, team, I did not recall that. If a team that. today had six turnovers oh in a gosh. game and won, I mean – so. But yeah. back to your original thing. I remember seeing that they were replaying the game right now, or replaying the game at one point. I was watching it, and they were playing the real announcers. Like, oh, the 49ers have six turnovers today, but they have a chance to win this. And I'm like, if you're the Cowboys, how do you not win that game getting six turnovers? Neither here nor there. All I remember Danny is – Danny White not having a good memory there. Is standing on the coffee table, table in our family room on the catch. When Dwight Clark made that catch, there me and go. my two brothers on the furniture and my dad screaming as well and not caring at that moment that all of us were all over the living room and lamps were getting knocked over and everything because it was absolute bedlam See, and this, chaos. This is where we're officially Danny in negative numbers, <laughs> negative age, when we're talking <laughs> about that. But, I'm yeah. just going to sit here and let you guys have your fun. You know what? Uh, getting back to what you guys were talking about, though, you know – I do want to see – look, I, I see all the same things that you guys see in Joe Burrow. I'm incredibly impressed with him. I'm, I'm impressed with how he carries himself. I, I do think that is a, a recipe for success. There are other parts to it, though, that go into this. And I'm not saying that they're not a good team or that they didn't beat a very good Chiefs team, but they played the Raiders the first round. Raiders are an okay team. They're They're better than average, but they're not a great team. I think the Titans are arguably one of the weakest number one seeds there had been. Their 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 path to the Super Bowl, although not quite as easy as the Cardinals had in 2008, reminds me a little bit of that. And you still have to have playmakers, and you still have to have some things happen. You have to have, you had to have Patrick Mahomes melt down on a certain extent. I was watching the final sack he took. Uh, before they kicked the field goal to go into overtime, and if you look at the all 22, he had both Kelsey and Pringle wide open, and he was looking at them. I I have no idea why he didn't pull the trigger. They were both open in the end zone. He never threw the ball. Not sure what happened there, but that has nothing to do with Joe Burrow's leadership. That happens to do with some luck, I think. And but I do like how he carries himself. I do think you need a little bit of something like that. That's not an end all be all. As we saw with Tom Brady this year, you can have the greatest leader of all time who does everything right and knows how to do it and won seven Super Bowls. That's still not going to win you games. And the Buccaneers would have lost worse in that last game if Cooper Cup and and uh, and Cam Akers don't fumble the ball. So 
there's other things that go into it besides the leadership, but I, I, I do like seeing that, and I, I, I would like to see a little bit more of that out of Kyler. That is a good point, though. What was more impressive, Joe Burrow's comeback or Patrick Mahomes' meltdown? Because if you look – you mean after the 49ers winning despite six turnovers in 1981? <laughs> that does take the cake. You're right. That That's your holy cannoli stat of this card, of Cardinals Underground Moving today. On There's no so now uh, for the runner-up status on the uh, medals podium with the Winter Olympics around the corner, okay, we'll use that that comparison right there. Think about it. I'm looking at it right here. The Cincinnati defense in the first half gave up 21 points, 292 total yards. In the second half, they held Patrick Mahomes and company to three points – and just 83 yards on seven drives in the second half in overtime. They, they intercepted Mahomes twice after halftime. His QBR, this is the ESPN stat that goes from 0 to 100, rating a quarterback's proficiency. In the first half, Mahomes' QBR was 98. In the second half, it was 1.4. I mean, think of that drop-off. It's the, they say it's the largest gap in a player's QBR by half in the playoffs ever. Well, since they started tracking this stat in 2006. His passer rating, if you want to go with that, what is the perfect passer rating? 158.3. Thank you. It was 149.9 in the first half. In the second half, it was 34. And in overtime, it was the Blutowski 0.0. Patrick Mahomes. Ouch. Whoa. And I saw, wasn't the second half, like, the stat that was going around was, like, how many times uh, he was going against, like, eight men dropping back, and that was kind of what threw him off? I mean – Well, supposedly. I mean, they did – and they also used a lot of – there was other times where they were using a lot more one high instead of two high. And the the deal with the Chiefs was you go to two high so you don't get beat deep, and the Bengals played with fire, and for whatever reason the Chiefs couldn't figure out how to get it back. And and that's the thing. It's it's any given day. I mean – I think if they play 10 times, it's one of those classic, the Chiefs win most of those games. But, you know. But but to Danny's point, the next-gen stats said the Bengals did make that adjustment in the second half, yeah. that almost 50% of the snaps, they dropped eight. They rushed three, they dropped eight. And so to your point, Darren, about like maybe he didn't know what he was looking at. Maybe those eight men in coverage had him. Had him spooked, had him a little freaked out, like, wait a minute, um, you know. Well, it certainly not only gives you more guys in coverage, but it it takes away him being able to escape a heavy rush and then run for 20 yards because there's always going to be somebody close enough that can light him up. And, and again, that's the issue that you have. I've seen more of the stuff getting winding this back to Kyler a little bit. I've seen, again, some fans after watching what's happened the last couple of weeks and why isn't Kyler running more? Why isn't Kyler running more? I saw a tweet. It's malpractice that Kyler Murray only had two rushes in the playoff game. There are things that are, are in play. You can argue that, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be times when Kyler Murray runs a little bit more, but, again, all it takes is one well-placed hit, and you're losing uh, the most important thing. It reminds me a little bit, Paul, uh, and obviously not because of the running, but if you go back to the 2008 Super Bowl, uh, Kurt Warner, the, the Cardinals had this fairly explosive offense and it didn't do anything. Don't get me wrong, the Steelers had a great defense. But the things that they were doing in terms of sending fewer guys out in the, in the, in the patterns for the majority of that game was Todd Haley and Ken Wisenhunt saying, we don't want this awesome Steelers pass rush to crush Kurt Warner and kill him because if he goes out of the game, we're done. And Kurt kept begging them to go to more four wides, go to more five wides. I don't care if I get hit. I can make them pay. And when they got behind, it got to the point where they were running out of time. They had to go to that. And guess what? The Cardinals couldn't be stopped offensively in the last quarter or so of that game because that's how they went. Now they took some risks and Kurt could have gotten hit. But that it's the give and take of this game. And that's, that's where the Cardinals might be with Kyler Murray. They've got to figure out, are we going to risk it? How comfortable is the quarterback being risked like that? How, how comfortable are the coaches in the organization with the quarterback being risked like that? Because in the end, you 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 got to be careful. It's one thing to do it in the playoffs, I understand. But like anytime during the regular season, oh, well, Kyler's not running enough. Are you going to give up? the war to win the battle because if you lose Kyler Murray for two months 
I, I appreciate everything Colt McCoy did this year, and I think he looked excellent in those two games. But if he ends up being your quarterback for the vast majority of the season, I don't think you're going to have as much success. Yeah. And he didn't look excellent against Carolina, obviously. Well, two thoughts. Number one, this is just me standing there on the sideline, but it looked like for the most part Kyler got zone coverage. So if he's getting zone coverage, especially against that Rams team that had Eric Weddle out there, right, out of the minivan, uh, and they're trying to, you know. Don't make fun of Eric Weddle. He's playing by the, way, the Super Bowl. By the way, he had he led the team in tackles in the <laughs> NFC Championship yeah. game. So that, that's just a facial for me. That just blew back right in my face because, yeah, I had a little fun with it last week. And not only did the Cardinals lose to him, but then he went out and played a heck of a game in he the NFC. He listened to the podcast. Yeah, so that's there what you motivated go. him. That's what Good I job, get. Paul. Yeah, the football gods, they struck me down. There's no doubt about that. But if they're playing zone coverage most of the time, which is what I saw, then guess what? They have their eyes on the quarterback. That's one of the primary reasons these defenses are going zone cover because they don't want to play man, and then they have their back to the quarterback. Kyler sees open ground, or he sees the DBs with their back to him, and he takes off accordingly. So maybe he was the smart read. If if there's going to be backlash, then I would think it's probably strictly how many design runs were in there. But once again, everybody now, that's not Kyler's preference. He Mm -hmm. prefers it to be organic. And so you get back to this chicken and egg thing from the very beginning. I I will say this about watching especially the two Super Bowl teams and their offenses. I had a lot of respect for the way Sean McVay and Zach Taylor were still able to make Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase and OBJ productive, despite the fact they were the focal point of the defenses. And the fact that McVay was able to move Cooper Cup all around, like seven different positions according to next-gen stats, the fact that Jamar Chase was being moved all over that Bengals offense, still got a lot of double coverage, but the moment he got single coverage, for the most part, you saw Joe Burrow target Jamar Chase. And, and it's just, if there's one takeaway that I think the Cardinals could learn from and maybe improve from, is what are these teams doing with their number one receivers who are getting plenty of defensive attention, still making them productive? And how can you incorporate that in when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins? Who's with me on that? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I also think, too, of looking at the other receivers, right? Of if Cooper Cup is – or OBJ, right? Like how are they using Van Jefferson? How are they using all these other receivers if that number one receiver is not an option? I think what's tricky if you start thinking about the Cardinals is – uh, who are your other receiver? <laughs> sure. Well, right, sitting Chris? here where we are, that's a problem. Yeah. Exactly. We don't have an answer to that, right? <laughs> that is one of the big off-season questions, no doubt about it. And honestly, if you went back and you did the analytics and where's the intern when I need him, right? I would say Kyler's best games this year were the games where after the game we said he hit seven or eight or nine different receivers. There were those games the first half of 2021 when he was a legitimate MVP candidate. I vividly remember on this podcast talking about his performance that that Sunday and how he had found seven, eight, nine different receivers. And that that number of different targets or completed passes to different receivers seemed to shrink in the second half of the season. I I would I would have to look at that. I mean, I think it shrunk, but I think it shrunk because you didn't you had guys hurt or out rather than. He was, I mean, they used fewer guys. If you look at the wide receiver snaps, I mean, Antoine Wesley wasn't playing early in the season, but when, when everybody was healthy, you, you had guys out there and, and you had, you were throwing to Max Williams. And I, I would have to check on that. I think he was still spreading it around. I mean, you never got to the point, really, where he was force feeding the ball to one guy. I mean, Zach Ertz was the top target down the last four to six weeks. Um, but I never got the sense of, like, oh, my God, he's throwing to him every play. I mean, I think their bigger problem, and this kind of goes back to it, is their offense wasn't nearly as productive, so you had that many fewer throws to be able to deliver to that many different players. But I, I would have to check on that. I, I agree with you that it helped that it, that it, it spread it around, but in some cases I it almost felt weird that, like, you were still trying to do that even though you had main guys hurt. Like, are you – why wouldn't you try to get it to, let's say, A.J. Green a little bit more rather than just keep spreading it out to Antoine Wesley or Greg Dortch? In truth, there, was, there were limited options with the injuries towards the end of the year. But 
you know, when the Cardinals' offense was truly rolling, it just seemed like he would have a completion of James Conner and Chase Edmonds. Now, those guys only played together, what, twice over the last nine games? I saw your article on azcardinals.com, so that limits things. He would get the tight end involved. Obviously, the first half of the season was Max Williams. The second half of the season, Zach Hurts. But then all four receivers who dressed would get targets. Uh, it just seemed – just seemed like the ball was going to the second, third, and fourth options a little bit more in the second half of this, in the first half of the season versus the second half. Yeah, but I, you don't even know who the second, third, and fourth options were in the end because you didn't know who the yeah. first <laughs> one was, really. Yeah. Well, it was like it was just by committee at yeah, that point. It felt like right. it. Well, and, and then that was part of the problem was did you have a legitimate number two receiver? You know, and, and you certainly didn't have a legitimate number one receiver minus D Hop. Yeah. So the whole thing got, got muddled. And the more I think about the season that was, I think about the Cardinals offense and absent D hop, it just how it changed coverage. And Kyler yeah. never seemed to be nearly as effective against coverages without D hop out there as, as when he was. So whether that's because he was accustomed to seeing coverage with D hop out there and how they would play the Cardinals offense accordingly. I'm not exactly sure whether it was to your point and, and, and Patrick Mahomes said this going into the playoffs when big adjustment Kansas city had to make was that too high. Look, those shell coverages they were getting, early in the season, and they had to make some adjustments. And they put it on Patrick Mahomes and company to go 12, 15, 17 plays before they reach the end zone, and they're challenging you, you know, for the unforced error. And, and the Cardinals too often, uh, more often than not over the second half of the season, they were their own worst enemy, and it was the self-inflicted stuff. There's no doubt about it. But with Joe Burrow going in the Super Bowl against Matthew Stafford, which, believe it or not, is only the second time in Super Bowl history where two former number one overall picks have squared off against each other. Can you name the other one? Can you name the other I, Super I Bowl? I can, but my son asked me the trivia question the other day, so I already know the answer. I don't know the answer. He was just on Saturday Night Live, one of the two. Oh, he was good on Saturday Night Live. Peyton he crushed Manning. it. He yeah, crushed it. That was hilarious. That was, that was a good that was a good. That was very good. It was very good. He had some prompter eyes to begin, but then he got rolling and he got very natural. And it was, it was and, to, and to be done live, remember, that was, uh, yeah. So it was Peyton Manning against Cam Newton. And, of course, the Cam Newton Super Bowl was after they beat the Cardinals in the NFC Championship. Yeah, Burrow true. would be the first player to win national championship, Heisman, and Super Bowl, right? Uh, that's a great I question. Seen that, but that's good. I it's haven't seen that, that either, but that would make sense. So that means if even if the Cardinals had won the NFC Championship, you still would have had the first time two number one overall picks playing each other because Carson Palmer. That's right. You're right. Absolutely right. So there you go. Um, you know, by the way, in the AFC Championship game, speaking of funny stuff. Danny's checking that because funny she doesn't stuff. want to come across as like, I'm sure you were right. There was, I'm sure I was right. There was the Peyton Manning Saturday Night <laughs> yes, Live. Yes, sorry. It would be the first ever quarterback triple crown is what I'm seeing okay. online with right. the Super Bowl win. There you go. I was right. The only thing that was up there with a the Peyton Manning performance in Saturday Night Live was the CBS halftime show of the AFC Championship with yeah, Walker Hayes. Oh, my well. goodness. I mean, Danny, I was howling at home. And the wife's like, why are you laughing so hard? Because I've been there and done that. <laughs> Because I've been there trying you to hear the pain. trying to hear myself, trying to hear the other people on air, and, and they've got those amps and those speakers on the field at volume 11, and well, you're for just a while there, brutal. Doing the pre, and it was pre-game show. There was nobody in the stadium, but for the, the wild card game, the Rams decided to do their run-through of the halftime concert, and I'm trying to hear back Craig Grealu back at the ranch while we're doing pre-game, and I couldn't hear squat. <laughs> yes. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, if America has lost its collective hearing, but it seems like all these stadiums are louder than ever. Is it because they have new audio systems? Is it because SoFi has stayed there? Even State Farm Stadium, I think, upgraded its audio system a few years back. Everyone's just excited, Paul. Excited and, to be back together. I mean, I get chased into the tunnel more often than not at halftime just trying to trying to hear myself, you know? So I, I don't know if it's that or... Maybe it's the old saying, if it's too loud, you're too old. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I need to face that oh, reality. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that, Paul. Everybody saying you're too old regardless of how loud it is. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm down 0 for 2 on this one so far. Okay. All right. So the volume went to ludicrous levels right there <laughs> on, on that one. Uh, how about the NFC Championship? Come on. We're avoiding it because it was all yeah, NFC I West. Say. I mean, how about the NFC Championship and the fact that – all I know is I'm pulling for the Rams, who all-time are 1-3 in Super Bowls, to go 1-4. I mean, come on. Joe Burrow, not only a feel-good story, but 
the whole Rams game plan coming together and materializing and we're playing the Super Bowl in our own building and we're going to go all in and we're going to put our chips in the middle of the table. We're going to make these trades and mortgage the future and it's all going to pay off right here. It's all coming to fruition and I don't like it. You're a little salty, but I feel the same way. Okay, so here's my question because I saw this come up. Uh, it was only one or two people, so I feel like most people feel my way. But but there was there was conversation of a Cardinals fan saying, "Why wouldn't you root for the Rams? That's our division. It's like you know you 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 want to beat your brother, but when your brother goes to play somebody else, you take him on." But the, I I was like, I don't get that at all. It's the same concept that I don't understand when uh, somebody wants to tell me that. I, I don't know, Washington is in the Rose Bowl against somebody. You're rooting for Washington, right? Hell no. Why would I root for Washington? Why would I root for USC or Cal or whatever? No. And I I don't even – what are you, big who, – who was in your conference when you were in school? The SEC. Oh, were you in the SEC still? Yeah, Mizzou was uh, – my freshman year was their first year in the SEC. Okay. I, I thought they moved since you who, – Who is Mizzou's arch rival? Uh, honestly, I don't feel like they have one at this point. Like it was Kansas. It was Kansas for so long. Yeah, and then we're just like never competitive to like have a true rival. In Actually, the SEC. I, I got I forgot they were in the SEC. Exactly, exactly. But, but you're, you, you're not going to root. Well, who would root for the Rams if you're a Cardinals fan? Other than the one person that I saw mention it. It's like if U of A ever went to a Rose Bowl, if you're an ASU fan, would you ever root for U of A in a Rose Bowl because they're representing the Pac-12? No. Of course you wouldn't. No, absolutely not. I, I totally I don't agree with that. U of A in anything. Yeah, no way. I mean. I'm mad that they got buildings downtown. Yeah. I mean, you know, the alma mater's never been to a Rose Bowl in my lifetime. Do you think I'm rooting for stinking Stanford? When did you go to, when they when had gone did there, go to the Rose Bowl last? You know, was that Joe Cap? It was Joe Cap in the late 50s. Okay. Let me tell you guys something. Real that was quick. also before Danny was born. Yeah, thankfully before wouldn't my time, it, too. Wouldn't it be something if Tampa hosts the Super Bowl and they win? And then the Rams host the Super Bowl. And they win. When you say something, is that a synonym for sucks? I mean, what do you mean by that? Oh, no, is this would be something. No, it would Paul, stink. Is this good omen since the next Super Bowl is at State Farm Stadium? Would this be a sign that the Cardinals – I don't okay. want to jinx anything, right? Here, Could that be good omen? Apparently, we have not spent enough time together. I know. Danny. You don't believe in – I don't believe any, in jinxes. Yes, there or is no such thing no as coincidences. omens. Yeah, I know, Well, there Karen. can be coincidences. Coincidence would actually – mean that they happen to happen at the same time and they would have no relation other than whatever just don't confuse coincidence with irony yes. what about a little hope i don't Karen? want to get into that well I, look i i'm certainly hoping but but are you going to tell me that if the rams lose this super bowl as opposed to win it that will have absolutely any <laughs> impact on whether the cardinals play in the super bowl next no, year darren i'm just trying to push your buttons it's working damn it. <laughs> well okay so he, so, you know, Darren's not going to go with the whole emotional element of it, Danny. You have to, you have to phrase the question differently. The okay. question to Darren should be, should the Arizona Cardinals follow the same game plan and blueprint as the L.A. Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a lesser degree and mortgage the future El Grande to aim for Super Bowl 57 to host it in their own building, 2023. Mm, that is a great one. question. That becomes the question. Do you go into this offseason? We off probably season, should have spent this whole podcast on this question. And, and, you know, it's one we can debate literally until early March or mid-March or whenever they start pulling the trigger Here's on the moves. Here's the thing. That podcast, that would probably be longer than most people would want to listen to. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But there's, there's one team in the Going NFC the West. March, I got places to go. There's one team in the NFC West with a first-round pick, correct? Yes. Should the Cardinals leverage that pick? Should the Cardinals trade that pick away, future gains, to serve the immediate needs? Should that first-round pick go out the door to some team for, oh, I don't know, a Pro Bowl receiver to go along with DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, if you're – for me – if the Cowboys I, are going to okay trade away it. Zach Martin, a Pro Bowl guard, would you do make that happen for Absolutely. a first round pick? Absolutely, twenty three for number twenty three overall. How old is Zach Martin? Former Cowboys reporter. Is he on the back end of his career where the Cowboys give him up for a first round pick? I don't know that I'd pick? say back end, no, but I would absolutely love I, to have Zach I, I, Martin I would here. Make that trade, I would. But I, I, the 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 thing. I mean, if you I, when I figured out that the Cardinals were picking twenty three overall, I went 
go looking at 23 overall like the last 15, 20 years. Uh oh. Not, not, I don't like the look on your face. Not awesome. <laughs> not good. <laughs> not all that. So yeah, I would oh, trade boy. that pick. Yeah, now, I would absolutely be open to that to that idea. Where? What position? I would think wide receiver. Well, I, this I, is all depending on what free it, agents. Yeah, I, I would want to know what I'm trying to get. I mean, who? I'm it, asking you. Maybe it's Pop. part of a bigger package. I mean, if you trade your number one and something else for something, I I, I don't. Like, what are you targeting? What would be worth giving away, trading away? Your first round pick when you look the, at the it, Cardinals' it wants and needs if right you're now. You're tell me right now. It, for me, it would not be it would not be for a number two receiver or a co number one receiver. For me, it would be a number one cornerback. It would be an edge rusher. Agreed. It might be a high level interior lineman, but it would have to be high level. Those would probably be what I'm willing to spend my first round pick for. That's about it. I mean, if but if. but any position is in play depending on who the players. Because the other thing is, is when you start talking about again, when you start talking about established players and bringing them in, you're giving up a chance to have cost control over whoever that first round pick is, and you got to make the right pick over somebody that's probably already either making a lot of money or is at the end of their contract and is looking for a lot of money, and you're going to have to give them a lot to keep them around for more than one season, a la Chandler Jones. There's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to figure some stuff out. As of this recording, the Cardinals are over the cap for next year. So they're going to have to figure some stuff out anyways, and and that doesn't count – all the free agents they have. All that matters is making it work for 2022. All those other issues are 2023 problems because you're all in on this next season because you're hosting the Super Bowl. That's the mentality. I love it, Paul. You should be the hype man in the locker room. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what you're looking at. If the NFL is a copycat league. Oh, hype man. I thought you said height man. Easy, easy. Whoa. Wow. Look at that. It's a guy who's well over six foot with shots at diminutive Americans. Mark that down. I just feel I'm in one of those moods, Paul. I yeah. apologize. He's right a little now. salty. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, you know, he's not going to Vegas. Is that why? Did I strike a nerve off the top of Cardinals fact, Underground? I love the fact that you guys said we got to take the emotion out of it. And I'm like, all I am is emotional right now with some of this stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Darren, do you, do, you, do you need to climb into the trust tree? Is there something on your mind you need to get off? I don't off know what it mind? is. Maybe, what maybe is it? it's I haven't been on Twitter enough, so I haven't been able to okay. be really snarky and sarcastic so oh. i have to bring it all in here you need you d- more mailbags no i gotta kind of be careful about that i dialed back <laughs> a couple of my answers that i posted today i, I went and looked at them again i'm like eh, i'm gonna kind of i'm gonna kind of mute that a little bit more i didn't take them all the way out but i made them a little nicer than they were when i originally wrote them Darren, it's the off season. I mean, you know, go double barreled on the uh, on the mailbag. You know, honestly, you know, they've got a whole off season to recover. I mean, come on, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, you know, he, he turn them into Jaquaski Tart, who dropped oh. that stinking interception. As, I mean, that okay. is. Um, okay, let's let's ask. Okay, I, I've never really know like how how were your emotions? The, you're a guy that grew up in the Bay Area. Okay. You watched Joe Montana. How were you feeling about how that game turned I, out? I, honestly, because of what we do for a living, I, I'm really not a fan much anymore except with the alma mater at times. That's about it. So, you know, I sort of watch games, and I got the golf clap going here and there, and I've probably been conditioned by the press box. You're not supposed yeah, to make that's, any, that, you know. And After this minute, Dan, right. you'll learn this eventually. It, yeah. it, it takes a little eye you. It does. So, But there were two factors that really had me all of a sudden recapturing my youth. It was a midlife crisis of sorts, Danny, in my living room watching the 49ers game, becoming a Niners fan again for two reasons. Number one, I can't stand the Rams, and their stinking plan is coming to fruition, as I already detailed. Number two, I've got a brother and an uncle who are blatant, flagrant bandwagon jumpers who live in Southern California, and they jump the Rams bandwagon. They barely know They're on. They barely know a football (laughs) from a foosball. And all of a sudden, they're the biggest Rams fans ever. And they're talking trash and texting. They got a text string going. So now I'm really pulling for the 49ers. And when Joukowsky dropped that interception, oh, my goodness. That was like a fly ball to center field. What are you doing on that? I I, I yelled the same thing. And it could have been anybody. I didn't really care that it was 49ers or Rams, that kind of stuff. I'm like, how how do you mess that up? In fact, uh, after the game, where was his quote? I mean, he, he put it on himself, and, and he said, you know, um, eh, right, the easy – here it was. I see the ball, and I'm like, he 
bleeped up. We're about to win this game. He said a Matthew Stafford hit my hands, and I thought I had it, and then I don't know how I dropped it. I didn't drop a ball in practice all week. The moment of truth showed up, and I didn't step up, said oh. Jaquaski Tart. So he's pretty dang I, honest I, with the I media. I got to give him props for – he tweeted yeah. right after the game, and I, I, I do give him big props for that, but that's – What's that's interesting, painful. and the analytics crowd won't like this. All right, attention Kyle Odegaard. When the Rams trailed 17-7 late third quarter – in the Rams locker room, they all cited the key was Aaron Donald. Not his play, but a sideline speech that Aaron Donald gave because he doesn't do a lot of talking. He I doesn't. Can, I can feel Kyle rolling his yes. eyes as we speak. Yeah, the, the words I disagree are about to just, just – that, that, I'm envisioning those already. But he rallied the defense, and according to his teammates, Aaron Donald's message was, let us be the reason we win this game. And would you believe that after that point in the game going into the fourth quarter, the Rams' D did not allow the Niners to cross midfield on their final three possessions while the Rams' offense put up points on their final three possessions in 120-17. to And after the game, everybody credited Aaron Donald and that speech and rallying the guys. And boom, there you go, they're in the Super Bowl. I just find it hard to to cheer for them because they're in the division. I mean, I feel like we didn't need to know this was a great division. We don't need the Rams to win to feel validated in that. I feel the same way. It's just kind of like I can't believe all these big marquee names they brought in, older veterans, you know, giving away their future draft picks, and it's paying off for them. You just got through saying you wanted the Cardinals to do the same thing. I'm not necessarily – I said it was a great question. And for the right – like play at right yeah. position. I just. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? I'm not. I'm not rolling. I. This would be rolling my eyes. I just kind of glanced at you. But. Oh boy. But was that's it, like the starter. <laughs> not not to actually get into the X's and O's, but how is it that Debo Samuel doesn't get a touch over the final 12 plus minutes of the game? Like Kyle Shanahan, what's going on there? You know, I'm glad you brought that up. Not that specific thing. But just in general, because I was uh, I was texting with a media cohort of mine that I often do during games and stuff. And it's interesting because I, I, I think about what is said about, for instance, Cliff Kingsbury during games and what I see on Twitter and it playing out in real time. And obviously Twitter is a whole different thing because now you have fans in the stands and or fans watching TV. And once upon a time, they were, were screaming at the field or the next person next to them if you're in the stands or at, at the TV at home. And that's as far as it went. And now they all can go put their views on blast at Cards Chatter, apparently, and complain about these things uh, or at the team's handle. And I watch... Sean McVay screwing up all his timeouts. And I watch Kyle Shanahan not going for it on fourth down when it takes the Rams like two plays to make up the yardage that they lost on the punt right back over. So what what were you doing? And I think to myself, and you can do this. Look, there are good coaches and there are bad coaches. I am not saying that. And I, I, I'm not saying Sean McVay is a bad coach by any stretch or Kyle Shanahan is. But this idea that any coach isn't screwing up stuff in game, every game, every coach does. I guarantee you I can go find every single coach does it. Belichick does it. They all do it. Now, you can complain about how much it's happening or exactly how it's happening, but you just brought up a great example. There isn't. There are so many fans. Why can't Cliff Kingsbury be more like Kyle Shanahan? Blah 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 blah. And then you just got through saying their best offensive player didn't get a touch over however many. The last twelve plus minutes of the game. Twelve minutes. Debo Samuel did not touch the ball. Things happen in games. Yep. Players screw up. They're not going to play perfect. Coaches screw up. They're not going to coach perfect. Pretty sure fans screw up. They're not going to fan perfect. Yeah, I mean, if you take the risk, people are going to be mad you're not conservative, right? I think of the Dallas game. Cowboys not having a timeout to challenge. Yeah. And what probably would have been overturned, that turn of the fumble. Yeah, Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds, yep. yep. But then it's also, okay, well, if you're conservative, well, why didn't you take the risk? Why did you go for two here instead of extra point? Like, it, you can't win. Nope. You can't win now with, like, the age of social media. Like, it's just – 
But right. going back to your thing, I mean, I you would think you'd want to get Debo involved, but but again, we don't know we don't know exactly what the Rams were doing to take Debo away either. True. So I mean, conversely, like you know, if you want me to continue, because I will. What were the Niners doing with single coverage on Cooper Cup so often, including that 11-yard touchdown? Kwan Williams in space, single coverage against Cup. Of course, Matthew Stafford's going to Cooper Cup, and it wasn't even close. I just when Cooper Cup gets off for 11 catches, a buck 42, and two touchdowns, and OBJ had nine grabs for 113. Something's wrong with your coverage scheme. I know those guys are excellent Here, receivers. Th- I get it. Here's the thing I, on that, Paul. You got to take one or the other away. I, I don't disagree. You got to take one or the other away. But again, and I uh, part 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 of the reason I want to keep bringing this back to Cardinal stuff is so you know if you're yeah. a Cardinals fan listening to this podcast. You, but again, when we went through 2008, Paul, how the hell did Lair Fitzgerald light up? every single one of those four playoff opponents. Right. How is that even possible? Yep. How is that even possible? But he did. Yep. Everybody knew it was coming, and he still lit them up. Sometimes the other player is just better. Well, and then the trivia question, here it is. Name the two NFL head coaches who have lost four conference championship games at home. Two NFL head One just did it, Andy Reid. So, Andy Reid, that's the fourth championship game, conference championship game he's lost at home between okay. the Chiefs and the Eagles. There's another one. Are, are you talking about, like, him as an individual, yeah. wherever he's been, as not the, just, yeah. like, the, the franchise? In total career coaching record, name the other head coach. Head coach. He's lost four, which, by the way, I would kill to be in four conference championships. Exactly. And that doesn't even count right. the ones that he won. But. Right. So to Darren's uh, the point, other, there, the there, there, is, there are some elite Hall of Fame coaches who have had plenty of down moments and losses oh yeah. and bad moments. Who's the other coach? It's Bill Cowher. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have either. And so um, they had that on ESPN, and Rex Ryan you was stumped and stupefied. You can't lose if you don't play, Paul. So there you go. You know, I mean, Rex Ryan's like, you know, and I'm like, Rex, you, you only wish you got to four conference championship games. At That's home. like the old me? Bills thing. Are, do you if you're if you're the Bills, do you wish you right. never made it to all those Super Bowls? Right, exactly. So no, I don't yeah. think so. So what do you make of the NFC landscape? Is the other question. Look, we can talk about the Cardinals' approach the rest of this offseason, but Danny, think about the NFC landscape. Okay, what exactly is going to be the aftermath for the Rams? Because they got a lot of Bills coming due with this team. The Seahawks looks like. I think we all expect them to stick with Russell Wilson, but there seems to be a lot of chatter from Team Russ that he doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore. Do they pull some sort of blockbuster trade? And does someone make the Seahawks an offer they can't refuse? They don't have very many first-round picks in their near future. And then the 49ers are going to hit the reset button to some degree with Trey Lance is the expectation. Now look at the rest of the conference with Tom Brady out of Tampa and where's Aaron Rodgers going, if anywhere. I doubt he's leaving, but he might. And so all of a sudden, the NFC could look different, which once again might fuel your mentality that the time is now if you're the Arizona Cardinals. Not only all these quarterbacks, but coaching changes too, I think, in the NFC. Like, I think a lot of teams are going to look very, very different. And you're right, if this Cardinals team can have enough consistency with the coaching staff, with its core players, and you can – find a way to build off of what they start. I'm not saying there's momentum going from one season into the other, but when you're looking with Cliff Kingsbury in the last three years, how this team has progressed, what can you continue? What can you look at from the season and say, you know what, this did not work for us. This, you know, it worked the front half of the season. It was not sustainable. This just wasn't working for us. What can we change? And I think you're right. I think this is the time to where you have enough players that are carrying over but are still young. So you have to, I, I would agree. I think this is, this is a time a lot of people um, on the field to whatever capacity that might be are, I don't want to say improve it deals, but pretty close. Right. Yeah. I, see, to me, it's, it's going to come down to, and it's funny that you bring up the quarterback. It'll come down to how Kyler plays. That's my opinion. You have a chance to be in the upper echelon in the, in the NFC if he plays like the quarterback he expects himself to be, that the Cardinals expect him to be, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, he needs players around him, but 
I think the great quarterbacks can overcome that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to leave the NFC because all the good quarterbacks are in the AFC, all the best quarterbacks, in my opinion. Um, And the Packers, I don't think are going to want to put him anywhere in the NFC. That would be dumb. So I don't think he's going anywhere, and you have some openings. I mean, if you're Jerry Jones and and Danny's former team, I'm like, you got to be thinking, how do we not, make a run at this thing next year. I mean, it, it, it does feel very wide open. The, the Lance thing is going to be fascinating. You know, the 49ers have some good skill guys. I like Debo Samuel. Uh, I, I think Kyle Shanahan does, for the most part, have a very good offense. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that offense, uh, offense evolves, if it can, with Trey Lance, because I think part of the reason he was conservative was he didn't trust Jimmy G. But I don't know how you trust Trey Lance in his first full season per se, not when you have a defense like that. Does the defense hold up? You know, and again, all of this goes back to what we're saying again, which is can you stay healthy too? Uh, I mean, all it takes is one injury to change the whole deal. I'm looking at the numbers from the Cardinals' week five win against the 49ers, which was the only game that Trey Lance started, played the entire game. 15 of 29 for 192, zero touchdowns. Remember, he had the early pick, the first possession, Buda Baker. He airmailed the receiver down the seam. But he had a team high 89 yards rushing, 5.5 yards a carry for Trey Lance. So, to Darren's point, how different will the Niners' defense? And look, Cardinals won that game 17 10, and they needed every bit of Isaiah Simmons and Tanner Vallejo to make a touchdown saving tackle at the pylon. Yep. That was a very key play in that. But if you look at the Cardinals, so the division games, the division is six division games last year. Take those out of the equation. Think of the change the Cardinals are going to encounter. Now, at home, they're going to have Kansas City. That'll stay static and the Chargers. But Tampa's going to have a new quarterback. New Orleans will have a new head coach and probably a new quarterback. Or which one of the four who started this year? Jason Hill is not the future? I mean, is Jameis Winston coming back? I don't know. The Eagles say they're sticking with Jalen Hurts. I'll believe them until they show otherwise. And then on the road, you're going to Atlanta. What exactly is that? You know, Matt Ryan again. Carolina's going to have a new quarterback, you would think. If they have Sam Darnold, then can you play that game early? Get that out of <laughs> Vegas, all right, you're going to have a new head coach there. Denver's going to have a new head coach, obviously, and a new quarterback, perhaps. And then Minnesota's going to have a new coach. So it's going to be different for the Cardinals. And a lot of times change represents opportunity. And especially if you can get some of these teams with a new head coach and or a new quarterback early in your schedule, all the better before they figure a few things out. Even Cincinnati was 7-6 and six at one point. Think about that. And then they went on a run at the end of the year. And look at them. They're in Super Bowl 56. I'm pretty sure Cincinnati had the same odds to win the Super Bowl as Jacksonville when the season started. And now look at them. Is that, is that accurate? I, that could be. I read, it could be. I read somewhere. They won six games last year. I, the and funny, two of the year before that? I Well, the odds were better that the t- Texans would make the Super Bowl before the season than the Bengals. All you know is I got a buddy of mine who he just he just falls into wins in life. I mean, you know, and, 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 and this guy, he, he doesn't know sports very much. Some guy in his office, because now that sports gambling is legal in Arizona, said, okay, after the first round of the playoffs – they reset the odds. The Bengals were still 18-1 to one shots to win the Super Bowl. And he just said, okay, you know what, just give me the longest long shot at this point in the playoffs. Who is it? Well, it's the Bengals. They were still 18-1. to one. He threw down 100 bucks. That would be not bad. Not bad. Just out of nowhere, two weeks ago, threw down 100 bucks. That would be a nice $1,800 cash. Good. Zach Kerr gets a chance to play the Rams twice in the playoffs. <laughs> How about that? That is great. I love he Zach Kerr. Can, the Super Bowl is the – Zach Kerr revenge Super Bowl. You beat me in the wild card while I'm playing for the Bengals now. I'm going to beat the Rams a second time, get a ring. As a car guy, what I love about Zach Kerr and what I think of first is his first time around, his first iteration with the Cardinals, he was driving a Ferrari. And I'm like, and I walked up to him. I said, Zach, you got the Ferrari? He he smiled. I said, yeah, did you see that? I said, yeah. I said, "Uh, I live vicariously through other guys' car collections. Don't mind me, but I'm just going to ask you a question. How the heck is a defensive lineman you fit in that thing? 
as a guy with an Italian last name, they were made for guys like me. What, how do you finish? Like, oh, no, it's no problem. He's all, my buddy's like a car dealer. Got me a great deal on it. He sold it for a lot more than he bought it for and drove it for like three years. He told me the story on the road in L.A. Wow. And, and so that's why I always think of him. I mean, he's so this isn't the first time that Zach Kerr has pulled a shrewd move like that. That's all I'm saying. This dude has a track record. He knows where to be. Him and Eric Weddle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Different think, car. He's in a minivan. Yeah, he's in a minivan, minivan. Which Paul does not like. Versus Ferrari. Well, they're both so, playing in the Super Bowl. You know. When I they mean, shouldn't have been. Look, you better be a leading tackler on an NFL roster to drive a minivan. I mean, you know, honestly, you know, that, that, that's the only thing that can counter the, you know, the image hit uh, of driving the minivan. That's all I'm going to say on that one. So uh, what else did we miss here on this edition of Cardinals Underground as I flip through some of uh, what it, you have here on the docket, Darren? See, I, w- I was miss? worried we weren't even going to make an hour today, and now maybe we will head all the way through March. You're welcome, everybody. Mm. Okay. Danny just putting us on her shoulders and so, carrying us away. Well, I was saying everybody, like, listening, like, we got you an uh, hour. I see right. what you're so, Danny, now that we're an hour into this, all right, and, uh, you know, we, we can say we always save the really good stuff, all right, the sensational stuff. For, or the for, Craig Grealu stuff. Right, for the too. very – the TMZ stuff, because that's what Grealu's all about. We save that for the very end. Uh, what's on the docket in Vegas? We know all the great Pro Bowl coverage that's going to come via azcardinals.com and all the platforms, but – Above and beyond work, what is on the docket in Vegas? Do tell. I feel like we don't have – I don't have anything, like, super exciting planned out. I was thinking nope, that. I was like, not I need buying to, that. No, nope, No, I was thinking today it. I need to look at, like, what shows are going on and all that stuff to, like, go try and find out. Night. Look, I'm, I'm not a big Vegas person, uh, so, like, I don't know what's going on over there. We're going to be there for – Jeez, five five days? Five, five nights? days? Yeah. You better um, be working because I can tell you when you go there – for me, if I'm going there for pleasure and not work, I got two nights max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, you know yeah. what? I'm very excited. It's my first Pro Bowl to go cover. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got DJ Humphreys is now going, Buda Baker, Kyler Murray, James Conner, Chandler Jones. Great group. Great group. So we will be out there for practice, talking to players, saying hi to all the fans that are out there traveling, be there out for uh, for the game. So lots of coverage on azcardinals.com. And if anybody has recommendations on shows to oh, go to. Oh, look out. Here we go. Hit me up. Let yep. me know what I need to see. All right. Drop your Twitter Danny's handle. Danny's going to go to the Excalibur. At Danny Serac. Well, you know, the only time jousting. I've ever – I've ever been to Vegas. I don't know if it technically counts. Uh, my birthday is like always around spring break and I have two sisters. And so I was the last who never really got like a one-on-one trip with my parents. So when I turned 21 for spring break, they took me to Vegas, which was a lot of fun, but I got a very different 21st birthday Vegas experience than probably most people. But we did, we did all the shows. We saw Elton John, which was amazing. And we did all of that kind of fun stuff. So that to me, like I'm not a big Vegas person. I'm not a big Vegas person anymore either. Well, anymore, he uh, says. I've got some stories I could tell, but I'm not going to. I have a work-related one that I'm really not going <laughs> to. Uh, maybe I'll tell no. you off the air, and then everybody's going to be like, come on, Darren, you got to say it on the podcast. I'm like, nope, that's never going to happen. I just, uh, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where, where the, where it was in the budget, a five day trip to the Pro Bowl. I mean, my goodness, that We're got authorized. We're staying through the game. Wow. Okay. And they're driving. Wow. We're driving. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, just going with the same attitude that I saw the new Bears GM, Ryan Poles. Did you see his comment at the podium when he took the Bears job? Did you see the comment he dropped? Yeah. You did oh, see that, Danny. Of, yes, they're, I did. They're going to take back the North. And my mind immediately went to. And never give it back. My mind went to Game of Thrones. King of the North. It's good. Here's the best part, that. though. If if Rodgers leaves Green Bay. Oh, gosh. It's open. They might. Yeah. See, my first thought, uh, Danny thought Game of Thrones. I thought Aaron Rodgers in his next touchdown, he scores at oh, Soldier Field. Yeah. And what he's going to shout to the fans. If he's still in Green Bay, that's going to be a problem. It'll be some sort of iteration of, no, you're not taking the North. It's still mine, and I'm not giving it back. Like, that'll be the next Aaron Rodgers trash talk when he gets into the end zone at Soldier Field. You know what, though? When you're going to Chicago – you got to come in with some confidence. I can't say I necessarily blame him. You like, can let's go give in them with confidence hope. without saying we're going to take over the division and never give it back. <laughs> we the live, Bears fans we, need something. We live in an era of receipts, Danny, and everybody keeps them. 
The other one is I'm looking it up right now, and you guys stopped talking, so I don't have time to Google, Google oh, it up. Oh, sorry. But, but it, it was the Lane Kiffin comment when he took over as Raiders head coach for all of about eight months before he got fired. Remember Lane Kiffin at the introductory press conference? We're going to have an unstoppable oh, offense, yeah, yeah. and he made all these other ridiculous proclamations about how the Raiders' offense was going to be a juggernaut, and they went out and went 3-13 and that year or something absurd. But he made all these ridiculous – Press conference day, always fun. Very bad, very bad. So uh, Denny Green talked about high-performance helicopters. <laughs> that's right. And misses right. almost as right. uh, bread or yeah. whatever. So, look, in honor of Tom Brady, you know, you never heard Tommy – you never heard Tommy say anything uh, inappropriate or any sort of bulletin board material at the podium. But on the field, the microphones would catch him talking trash and being competitive and, and smashing tablets on the bench and so forth. So you, know, you just got to know where to channel it. What does this mean for Gronk? Mm. He's done. He doesn't want to play with anyone it's else? It's going to be one hell of a Hall of Fame class that year. <laughs> if Adrian Peterson and Gronk retire and Roethlisberger and Brady. Did Gronk make the Pro Bowl? I don't think so. I don't think so. But he might be there for on some sort of corporate, you know, sponsorship endorsement thing. So, Danny, what you need to do, here's USA. your free. Just find whatever party Gronk is going to. That'll be the place to be oh in Vegas. Gosh. That will be the place to be. Wherever Gronk is hanging out. I don't think I can out, handle that. That's uh, even at his age these days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. You know, maybe next time we'll find the uh, reason behind Darren's salty mood today. He's not willing to reveal. We don't know exactly why. I, I, I don't think there's any particular reason. I just okay. it felt good to. Yeah. Everyone go on Twitter and give Darren some nice words of encouragement. Let him know how much you love him and his coverage. Danny, just send him pictures from Vegas. I'm sure that'll brighten his mood quite a bit, okay? So we say, uh, yeah, so there you go. We got the juxtaposition of Danny and Darren here on this episode of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.